Say Jesus. Good morning, morning. Can I have everybody stand up for just one second to all the campuses? We want to welcome all the campuses, San Isidro, San Marcos, East County, City Heights, all the people watching online, Coronado, Microsite, and all the people in prison, Donovan State Prison, Juvenile Hall. Let's give all those people out there a big hand. God bless y'all. God bless you. And the people in the military. Let's give the military a big hand. Come on now. Come on, military. Amen. Um, emotion is a very important part of our existence, and I came to church mad today. That was my emotion for today. Sometimes I come exciting, excited. Sometimes I come anticipating. Today, it was anger. Anger at the devil, uh, what he's doing, and the violence and pain and death and destruction that he is and division he's causing in our world, racism and what's happening in London and, and all the destruction in the world. Can I get in, man? Can you see it? Can you sense it? And um, there was a pastor in town, uh, Matt Tagg, who was arrested this week. It was on the news several days uh, for child molestation. Matt Tagg poured into my life for many, 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 many years, the word of God. He poured into my life. I, I can't believe, but yet I can't believe the devil. We need to pray for him and his family, especially the victim. But he is someone still God loves and we pray for that situation. The devil is he's like a roaring lion looking to whom he may devour. So I came mad. I want you to be mad at the devil. Don't get mad at people. Get mad at the devil. So I want to read, I tell you some stories of victory because in the end, he who is, great, he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. And there's victory in the world. Amen. And we always want to remind the devil that in the end he loses. There's a couple in our church, Christian and Annabelle, who the guy cheated on his wife, the woman he cheated with got pregnant, and his wife is still with him and fighting through the marriage, and God has saved their marriage. Now they're trying to adopt the baby of the woman. That's amazing. Amen. Amazing victory, God. There's a kid, a young man named Stephen, when he was a kid, his father used to drug him to go to sleep, so he would go to sleep beat him, and one day he woke him up cursing, had him come in his room, and there was blood all over the room. He ended up going downstairs, helping his father clean off the blood off the guns, his guns, found out that blood was his mother's blood. He is now walking with God on our, and serving in our PST program. God got victory in his life. Can I get amen on the Lord in his life? Amen. A young man named Kyle at four years old, he saw his father, supposedly Christian father, hit his head, his mother's head with the Bible saying, you will submit to me. That's not biblical, by the way. The Bible says that a man shall love his wife as Christ loved the church, which means lay down your life for your wife. Let him take care of the submission part. You don't do that. And he beat his mom. He saw his father beat his mom in the head with the Bible and then was told Jesus was in him and he was saying, Jesus, get out of my heart. I don't want to have anything to do with you. I get that. When you see your father do that to your mother, he is now walking with God because he realized that, that his father's actions were wrong and God got a hold of his life. Now he's walking God and serving God in our church. Amen. I was at a, I was at a, a family's house uh, two weeks ago praying for a tragedy they had and they were telling me, I said, can I pray for y'all? And they said, yes, can you pray for our brother who is not saved and he has stomach cancer? And I said, let's pray. And we prayed for all their family and their brother who had stomach cancer. And they called me a week later and said he went to the doctor. And the doctor said, we, we can't find the cancer anywhere. It's gone. Amen. Amen. 
And by the way, that guy doesn't believe in God. God says, uh-huh, you don't believe in me? That doctor didn't heal you. I healed you. Um, when you come to church, you need to come expecting miracles in your life. You need to have in your mind, this is, the, this is the God we serve. This is what this is all about. It's not about singing a song, hearing a sermon, getting entertained, and going home and saying, check the box. It's about God transforming your life. And so when you come to church and you hear the songs, think about the trans- life transformation that he wants to do in your life. When you hear the word, think about the life transformation that he's doing in our church. When you take the offering, we take the offering at the end of the service, and I've been talking about the giving going down. Then you take the offering, Lord, this is what I'm investing in. Souls being saved. When you see altar call, understand souls are being saved. This is what it's about. Can I get amen? Amen. So I want to I wanna pray for us that God will prepare us and thank all of you for being faithful. Thank you for coming. Thank you for serving. Thank you for giving. Thank you for all that you do. But we have to keep fighting because the devil's not going to give up. He's not going to give up. And so I want to challenge you. Today we start a mini-series of three weeks on men. And by the way, all these sermons obviously are for men and women, but men, we're going we're gonna, to... Direct this at you. So I'm going to pray that God will prepare your heart for what he's going to say to us. Lord, prepare the men in our church. Prepare the men. The culture always wants to tell men what they deserve to get and what people, how people should look up to them. First, we have to do our job. We have to fulfill our responsibility. And that starts with humbling ourselves before you. It starts with laying our life down before you. The ultimate man, Jesus, who died and rose from the dead. Lord, I pray that you stir up our hearts, that we may make a decision to live for you and not for ourselves. Living for ourselves gets us nowhere but down, destruction. But Lord, you say that you lift up the humble and cast down the prideful. Thank you for your faithfulness. May we humble ourselves before you in Jesus' name. Amen. As you take a seat, give someone next to you a high five. Amen. Y'all ready, church? On the count of three, lift your Bibles up and say word. One, two, three, say word. One more time, say word. Uh, Turn to 2 Timothy, New Testament, all the way in the back. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I'm going to read this after I introduce our guest, but I want you to be at that address, 2 Timothy chapter 2. I want to welcome all the guests again, all the people watching online. We are a military town, and can I get an amen for all the military? Amen. And we honor and respect all the people in all the branches of service, but we're primarily Navy and Marine. Amen, amen. And in the Navy, we have a group of special forces called the Navy SEALs, who, I'm biased, are the baddest of the bad. Can I get amen? amen. And we have honor to interview a Navy SEAL today. Um, today's ser- sermon is called A Good Soldier. And I want you to process what you hear and what you experience to challenge all you men to be a good soldier. The, one of the first things we're going to do today is define what a soldier is. It's not someone with a uniform and a gun. But the challenge is that you would realize that you are in a battle, every single one of you in a battle, men and women, and that we have to be good soldiers in the battle. Your enemy is the devil. 
There's a spiritual battle. There's a physical and spiritual battle. Everything in the physical is just a metaphor for what's in the spiritual. And so I'm going to invite up Jeff Bramstead, who did 13 years as a Navy SEAL, goes to our church, very involved in our microsite in Coronado, which I know is screaming out there. So can we all get up and give a long, long rock, warm welcome to Jeff Bramstead, Navy SEAL. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. Howdy. Amen. Um, I want to say hi to Coronado. How you guys doing? Brian Tucker, everybody at Coronado. Is there anybody at Coronado in here right now? I see y'all. Hi, Kevin. Nice to be, nice to have you here, brother. Good to hear. Good to be here. Good to be here. Good to be here. Good to be here. So you still working out? Uh, uh, not as much as you. Um, uh, yeah, I didn't We were talking that. about the pull-up thing earlier, and uh, he does more pull-ups than I do, but he, I, did, I do 100 in a day. He does 100 at a set. Believe that will tell you another one. <laughs> so when I first met him, I, you know, we were talking about workouts and, and he was saying how pull-ups are a big deal. And so you do a hundred a day, like throughout the day. Throughout the day, yeah. Okay, okay. I do, I usually do mine in the morning, just all at one time. Perfect. I, t- I, I really, Perfect. I go, I do about 90 and I have to t- rest for 30 seconds. I do the last I did, 10. I did that when I was your age too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be my age in a long time, brother. Hey, turn to Second Timothy. I want, I want to, we want to, I want to get to read this to set the tone for what we're going to talk about today. Second uh, Timothy chapter two, verses one to four. It says, "You therefore." This is uh, Paul talking to Timothy. Timothy's his disciple. He's a pastor, and Paul is in prison, getting ready to get executed. And he's saying, "I need to encourage you before I go. I need to encourage you before I go because I'm getting ready to get executed. A lot of people have turned away from me. You're still faithful to me." You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things that you've heard from among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself in the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Um, I want you to, I want to talk about this first point in your notes. And if you guys have your notes, we have four points I want you to look at. The first one is, what is a soldier? And, and when I was studying this, you know, we, we always say, oh, soldiers, you know, someone in battle, whatever. And, and I want to read this definition. And then I want you to reflect on it. Um, and in your notes, a soldier is one, not one who carries a sword, but one who uses it under the command of a leader. This is our sword in Christianity, the word of God. Coming to church and having a Bible in your hand does not make you a soldier. Being in a small group does not make you a soldier necessarily. You have to use it. So let's talk, talk about that. So when you first show up at basic training, the first thing they're going to do is hand you a uniform. It's not about the fact that you have a uniform. That's not what makes you a soldier. The fact that the action that happens inside the uniform is what makes that man a soldier. First, they have to teach you how to wear that uniform, how to tie your boots. They're not going to give you a weapon if you can't even tie your own shoes right. If you can't shave right, they're not going to do it. So there's going to be somebody who's going to teach you these things. So in my opinion, you know, a, a soldier is somebody who is going to know authority, know and honor authority, and then act on that authority in the way in which they are supposed to, to carry out the mission mm-hmm. and accomplish what it is that they have been asked to do by the authority. You did 13 years Navy SEAL, a year training, is that correct, up front? Right. A year training. 
Um, you told me the other day, and we're going to get to more of that story here in a minute, but you told me that de- uh, the other day about this book you read about um, the guns and not using the gun and the weapon that you have given, you've been given, and how that is a detriment to your foxhole partner. Right. So the, the book that I was referring to is called On Killing, and it's not a uh, how to go and I mean, it literally gets into the psychology of somebody who has the ability to take another's life, be it We're militarily. We're not you to go out and read the book so you can know how to kill somebody, so just as a, as a disclaimer. Right. But it describes in the book when they went to recover the weapons off the battlefield at Gettysburg, they found 27,000-ish. I don't remember the exact number. They break it down to the minute. Uh, muzzle loaders, the type of weapon they used then. Of that, 24,000 of them were loaded more than once. So if you think about that in the context of the warfare of that time, generationally, uh, or, or in that, in that time in, in, in American history, is that first they had to take the weapon, turn it, muzzle up, pour the powder in, and then you had to put down some wadding. I'm not sure of the order, but then you had to put the ball, the projectile, tamp it down, pull the rod out, stow it, shoulder the weapon, fire it, then rinse and repeat, right? So now you have 90% of those weapons are found being loaded. So now of those 24,000 weapons, 12,000 of those were loaded more than once. Now here's the thing. With those guns, you only put one bullet in at a time and then shoot it. And then you put another bullet and shoot it. There's no reason to have two bullets unless you're faking it. Correct. Unless you're faking it. So now, imagine this. You and I are in a foxhole, and I'm the guy that is, just doesn't want to be there. You might want to define foxhole for somebody. Foxhole. <laughs> all right, know so, what a foxhole is? All right, so what you do is, is you, get your, you get your buddy to go ahead and dig a hole for, it, for the two of you to go and hide. Because yeah, you don't want to... No, I'm just kidding. Okay. So, yeah, so it's a hole in the ground where you're going to hide and bad guys are shooting at you. So... 6,000 of those weapons were found to be loaded uh, three to four times. There was one weapon that they had found that had been loaded 21 times. So now, if you and I are in a foxhole together, the bad guy's over there and they're shooting at us, and I'm taking my weapon, loading it, shouldering it, acting like I'm firing it, and then looking at you like, see, I'm fighting, but I'm not really fighting, and I go ahead and load the powder, you're having to do all the work. 80% of the work in any church, and this is no church, is no different, is done by 20% of the people. 80% of the giving is by 20% of the people. 80% of the serving, 80% of the leadership, 80% all the other people are just faking it. Coming to church, hey, look at me, I'm here. Maybe you got your Bible, look at here, but you're not fighting. If you're not fighting here, you're not going to fight out there. You're getting whooped. And so you may say, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm this, I'm this. If you're not fighting, you're using your gun. By the way, this is the word of God. This is the sword. This is our spiritual sword, the word of God. It's sharper than a two-edged sword right here. If you're not using that, but you're just playing the game, that's what most Christians are, 80%. You don't want to be that person. Because if we're in a foxhole together, which uh, supposedly we all are, and we're all counting on each other to pray, to take the gospel to San Diego, to give, to serve. 
And you're not going to life class. You're not going in small group. You're not, you're not doing all the things that we're supposed to be doing. It's just, it's just a crowd. And so as a soldier, no, I'm, I'm putting the bullet in my gun. I'm shooting my gun. I'm reading my Bible. I'm using my Bible. I'm learning my Bible. I'm studying it every day. I'm praying every day. And I'm, God's using me. Can I, am I making myself clear? Does that make sense? Amen? Amen? Can, 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 can we get a hand for that? Amen? You just don't want to be that guy. <laughs> Number two in, in your notes. Look in your notes. A soldier needs accountability. Second Timothy 2.2. 2, and the things that you've heard from me from many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Uh, describe buds and your swim, swim buddy. Describe buds and the intense schedule time and the need for that swim buddy. So, uh, during buds, which is your, your boot camp, six months ish worth of getting up at an amazing hour of the morning. And then training all day long. During that time, you are never going to be more distant from somebody than Pastor Miles is from me right now. We are never going to be more than this far apart. You get a little sick of each other. And I mean that in all seriousness. You really get tired of your swim buddy. But then when you need him, I'll tell you what, you are glad that he was there. And define swim buddy. So a swim buddy is the guy who you are going to, anytime you're in the water, anytime you're running down the beach, anytime that you're, you're going to, to chow, anytime you gotta go do, run an errand, like you gotta go to medical, or you have to go to, you've got your belt buckle back at the barracks, and you gotta go and run back to the barracks. Somebody has to go with you, and it's always gonna be your swim buddy. There's times where he might be committed doing something else, somebody is going to swim buddy you. But for the most part, every time you swim, every time you, every time that you're out doing any kind of evolution underwater or whatever, it's gonna be the same guy. You literally can finish each other's sentences. You literally can share a brain by the time you're done with SEAL training. And then it moves into where you're shooting, now you have your shooting partner, it's gonna be the same guy. But he's never further away. In fact, you get in big trouble if your swim buddy is more than a certain distance away from you. And by trouble, I mean you're both going to get hammered pretty hard. By that meaning a lot of push-ups. And tell me the commitment that, <laughs> tell me the commitment between you and your swim buddy, the commitment you have to each other. Uh, because I'm going to ask you guys, and how many of you don't have a swim buddy? You cannot. You cannot. You cannot live a victorious life by yourself can't and try to live a victorious life without God it ain't going to happen you you will think you're doing good and then it's going to come crashing down it breaks my heart to see what's happening in Tiger Woods there was a day and I'm sure uh, years where he was getting a little voice in his head saying you the man you could do whatever you want you're above the law and the devil said gotcha he will do the same thing to you nobody is above that law God's law you reap what you sow. And so who is in your life that's going to make this commitment to you to do what you're going to tell me? Well, you, this is the, in, the, in, the, in the military sense, but we're going to talk about the spiritual sense. What is the commitment you guys have to each other? 
So there were times uh, during training where I know that I was just I was I was beyond myself. Like I was at the end of my rope. I was at the end of me, and I knew that I was not going to make it through this evolution. My pity party had begun. All it took was my swim buddy saying, "Man, we got this. We got this." Probably another 15 minutes, this is going to be over. He lied. I mean, it was another like three hours, but hey, I'll take it, right? The 15 minutes, he's like 15 minutes later, like another 15 minutes. What he was doing is he was getting me through the little stuff. Anybody says, oh, buzz was easy. I made it. It was no problem. Lying liars. I'm telling you that somebody's going to say it to you. They're lying to you. But the, but, but my, my swim buddy during the, during the times where I knew getting me through buzz was definitely a team sport and it had everything to do with, with my swim buddy. I was committed to making sure he got through. When he needed that encouragement, I was there to give it to him. When I needed it, he was there to give it to me. And it was always, and we talk about those moments even now to this day. Remember that time when this, yeah, man, I'm glad you were there. Otherwise I wouldn't be here right now with you. That's how important it is. How many of you show of hands uh, in the spiritual sense, you do not have a swim buddy. Let me explain. Someone in your life that you can be transparent with you are accountable to, they're accountable to you, and they can say anything they want to you, and you trust them. Even with your deep, dark secret, hey, man, I, I got this anger problem, I got this pornography problem, I got this alcohol problem, whatever. How many of you do not have that in your life? Raise your hand. Okay. I, I don't mean to call y'all liars. I really don't want to call people liars in church, but I don't believe that. I, I just don't. Now, some of you may have a problem with that. I just, I just believe there's more of you guys out there. Someone in your life, you have said yes. You have permission in my life. If you don't have that, fellas, anybody? Raise your hand. Raise your hand real high. How about elbow above ear? It's okay. We're not going to condemn you. <laughs> Here's my challenge to you is to get someone in your life who loves God that you could say, pray for me. Challenge me. Talk to me. When I fall, help me pick me up. I mentioned Tiger Woods a minute ago. We didn't pray for that dude. That God would use that in his life to say, okay, God, I'm going to give my life to you. And that when our friends and people in our life fall down, that we are there to say, I got you. Because when that guy left, you had a swim buddy leave. How did, what did that do to you? I had a swim buddy that thought I was, when I was fairly new into the Buds, the, the Buds program. My swim buddy, who I had initially for the first two or three weeks, he just quit. Up and quit one day. I didn't even see him going. It was like, he was like ninja smoke and gone. I was like, where do you get, where do you, where do you? And I remember how it affected me that I remember, I remember feeling, um, abandoned and I remember feeling like, like, well, now what? He, he left. I was all sad. I mean, now I have friends of mine who get killed in combat. Some of my closest friends just had a dear friend of mine die last week. You guys may have seen it on the news, you know, Remy Peters. He, the parrot, the guy just died uh, in New York. Yeah. I saw him, I saw him nearly every day. Not the drop zone. And so, you know, and that wasn't that big of a deal even for the time. But I remember how I felt at the moment. When but he when left. I, when, he, when, when, when he quit. But, and it wasn't really that he left. I mean, it would be great if he maybe got hurt or got rolled into another class or something after me. But he quit. That was probably the worst part. Number three, <laughs> character. A soldier demonstrates character. Second Timothy 2.4. No one who... No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. You got an amazing story about character. So my my uh, I got I got I got two little mini me's over here, and we 
uh, before I dropped them off at school, I asked them every morning the same they? thing. How old are they? They're 13 and, 13 and 15, and, I, and my an 11-year-old little girl. But uh, we're talking about dude stuff, so we'll stay. They're 13 and 15-year-old boys, you know. She has yet to sin, so she didn't even matter right now, right? <laughs> so, so before I drop them off at school, I say, I say to them, what's character? And they say, uh, character is the place inside you where the things you say, the things you do, and the decisions you make come from. Character is the place inside you where the things you say, the things you do, and the decisions you make come from. I see moms going, like, try to get that down. So, so one day my kids, I, they, we were, we were doing work in the backyard, and my oldest, who at the time was 12, I saw him hiding around a corner and just kind of peeking. He had a big bag of leaves or something, and I told him to go take it around and put it the, out by the curb. And he's, he's looking around the corner at me. Like he kind of only partially went to the curb, and he's waiting. He's like, come here. So I went, and I, I, I walked around the corner. I go, what's up, buddy? He goes, well, he goes, he goes sit down with me on the, on the steps. We were sitting on the side steps of our house, and you've been to our house. You know, It's like you have to have a fitness level to live in our house. It's like you got to walk up a huge hurt and then a big bunch of steps, and and. And we're standing, we're sitting halfway down those steps. And I said, what's the matter? And he goes, okay, so I have a smartphone. And I found on my smartphone, I found pornography. How old was he at the time? 12. And I remember going, yes. Not that he found pornography. Hold on, don't judge yet. (laughs) Let me finish the story. You guys think it's, hold on. I digress. So, so I'm like, yes. And he's looking at me like, wait a minute. I'm on the front row of many places where you go and you speak about sexual purity or whatever. I see, he's, he's looking at me like, what? I said, you knew that you could come and talk to me and not, and, and, and I, you knew that you could come and talk to me and not get in trouble, that we were going to work through this together. And he, and he was like, oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Cool. So, and by the so, way. A righteous man, a righteous man, a righteous man falls seven times and gets up again. And seven doesn't literally mean seven. It means you're going to fall and you get up again. So God's not going to be like, oh, you messed up. That's not the kind of God we serve. The kind of God we serve is like, hey, let me help you out. We're going to make this. We're going to make through. You got to trust me. Amen? So I look at my son and I say, all right, so you came to me and that's all I got. Now what do we do? I've never, I haven't been here before either. I mean, as far as a kid coming to me, I mean, the porn thing, I mean, I mean, really, I mean, I'm a dude. I've been through that. I fought that demon and beat it, right? And so I knew that this is something I want to get through my, my kid to do. And by the way, I air out my laundry. I just do it. If I had an issue, I'll just lob it out there and go for it, kind of like Pastor Miles does. Yeah. So, so my son... I said, I don't know what to do. And he, he just, he takes his phone, sets it on the step and he slides it over to me. And he said, I don't think I need that thing. Um, how about we go to the store and we get one of those ones that you just open up and you got to hit a bunch of numbers to text. <laughs> I'm like, oh, now you call me old. Cause that's, you know, <laughs> so, so we went to, we went to, we went to the, 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 the cell phone store and at one end of the really expensive ones at the other end of the really cheap ones. He went straight over and he's like that one. And that's what he had for two, three years. It wasn't until recently that he got his, he got his, his smartphone back. Fellas, I wonder how many of you today would say, you know what? Just one. This is my issue. Just one. Just pick one. Can we agree that we all got many? I mean, I got many. Just one. Say, God, 
um, or somebody, God, but also your swim buddy. Hey, can you pray for me in that? I got, I got, I got to stop that. That's character. Not, let's see how long I can hide it. Let's see how long I can fake it. Let's see how long I can act like I'm shooting my gun when I'm not. No, no, no. God, I, I got to deal with that. Amen? Number four. This is my best favorite story. Number four, look at your notes. Uh, a soldier is not only strong, but hard. Hard. Everyone say hard. Uh, we had so many guys come to our football team, all, and all throughout my life, uh, football teams, 15 years of football, seeing guys come big, but they were soft. Muscles had nothing to do with being hard. Had nothing to do with it. It was all about hard. Second Timothy 2.3. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Hard, running on the beach, baby. Strong versus hard. So uh, I grew up as a kid uh, running track. I was a competitive swimmer. Um, I was strong at both those things. It was not hard. I remember the moment that I had to make that shift in my head. Anybody can do Push-ups when you know how many you got to do, but when you don't know where the end is and you got to keep on going, that's someone who's hard. And and, and let me elaborate on that. It, it is taken, being able to be taken or take yourself to where you say, I can't do anymore. And then you keep going. Not I can't do anymore. Oh God, I'm done with you. No, no. I can't do anymore. But I'm going to keep going. That's all. Strong, oh, this is what I could do. No, no, how, how about keep going and forgiving people beyond what you think they deserve to be forgiven, loving beyond what you deserve, giving beyond what you can give, serving beyond what, Just keep going. Because you do not know, we do not know our limit. We just don't. Physically, emotionally, spirit, especially spiritually, we don't know our limit. So... Absolutely. So when, when, uh, the moment it happened, I was, I was running behind my class and they're 200 meters up ahead. So this is in buds. In buds. I'm in first phase. You're I've been the, there for five minutes. On the beach. On the beach. Coronado. There's a hundred of them up there and they're running. I'm the furthest back and I'm running behind my class and they're, they're a speck on the horizon. It's like, it's like a dust cloud. And I'm, I'm running behind him and I remember having my pity party and I was just feeling sorry for myself. It was uh, crying and whining going on in my and head. And how long was this run? Five miles ish. Okay. okay. I don't know, 30, 70, something <laughs> like that. It was up there. Way beyond what you can do at the time. It was five. It felt like those numbers. And this instructor showed up next to me and, and he looked at me and he said, uh, who are you? So you're behind, all the guys are up there and you think you're by yourself. I think I'm by myself. And this, this dude guy was comes, like, comes out of nowhere. Yeah. He just like, crawled out of the sand. Yeah. Okay. It, was, it, was, it was amazing. I, I mean, I think he... He probably swam from Catalina, got, came out of the beach and saw you just jumped up and probably <laughs> underwater the whole time. I think he was like <laughs> waiting for me, you know? So I, so he, he appears next to me, seriously appears. I'm too much having my pity party even here, a dude coming up behind me, right? Great situational awareness, dude, right? So he's here and he says, uh, who are you? I said, uh, uh, Bramstead, Bramstead. Bramstead. He starts repeating my name. I'm like, what's this? Bramstead, how old are you? Um, or how, how uh, Bramstead, how much do you weigh? I'm like, how much do I weigh? What's it? 165 pounds. Bramstead, 165 pounds. Bramstead, what's while we're running? He's doing this to me. It was a great distraction for a moment. Bramstead, 165 pounds, which became my name. How old are you? 
20. Bramston, 165 pounds, 20. Bramston, 160. He was reminding me all the reasons why I shouldn't be up with the class. What he was doing. So he asked me, he goes, why are you not up with the class? And so every time I started an answer, it started with, because I can't stop it. Because I'm having a hard time. Stop. He stopped me every single time I had an excuse. He goes, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to eliminate the excuses. I'm going to run. You're going to stay on my hip. Not beside me, not behind me, right here. So we started running. And we're, we finally, he catches me all the way up to the class. And so I, I we get up to the class and I, I just kind of fall back in behind the class. He's like, uh-uh. No, no, come on. I'm not done with you yet. Come on out here. So we started, <laughs> started running. We go past the class and we start picking up the pace. It starts dropping. And by the time we start going down that last little straightaway, we're at a 5.30 or less pace. I mean, it's a dead sprint. Remember the Zenith television? Yeah, that was happening. And I remember losing... Zenith, that's old. That's old. That's I mean, old. So yeah, yeah, yeah. for those of you over 40... <laughs> anybody, who doesn't know what Zenith television means? Yeah, it's, oh, it's before you were created up. in the womb. Uh, it's when your vision just gets to zero. Okay, go ahead. So, so I, had, I, I had vision closing in. I had... I was going to say it. I, I, I peed myself and I threw up all over myself. It was bad. Lost my facilities. And I get done and I'm like barely holding on to consciousness, vomit all over the front of me. I'm all wet. He comes up to me, grabs me right in the middle of all my vomit, pulls me in. We're forehead to forehead. He doesn't yell at me. He just simply says, don't ever forget today because today the governor has been removed. The governor being? The governor. Being the, your limit. My your limiter. Your right. Limiter. So my dad was a hot rod builder. I get. I, I knew what that yeah. much meant. And then he turns around and he walks off with his hands down, not like wiping all the, the mess off his hands, just like like he had somewhere to be. I'm he probably like, licked it off. I'm yeah, sorry. oh, yeah. And he said, and he and 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 he, as he was walking away, I was I remember thinking, man, that dude's hard. I remember thinking that. Uh, in a minute, we're gonna pray. I, we can talk all day, but we. God wants us to stop complaining. And. Telling him how far we can go or telling him the limit of his resources in our life and say, God, I want to be hard. I want to go where you want me to go. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to fight through what I'm fighting through right now. I'm going to look it in the eye and say, devil, you will not win in my life. Uh, in a minute, we're going to pray, but I'm going to have him read something here in a second, in a quick second, uh, the seal ethos. Uh, their creed, and then we're going to pray. And I want you to think about your life and your need to say, God, I want to be your soldier. I'm going to make a decision today to be your soldier. It's a decision. All, all of you are called. Which one are you going to receive an answer to the call? In times of war or uncertainty, there is a special breed of warrior ready to answer our nation's call. A common man with uncommon desire to succeed. Forged by adversity, he stands alongside America's finest special operations forces to serve his country, the American people, and protect their way of life. I am that man. My trident is a symbol of honor and heritage bestowed upon me by the heroes that have gone before. It embodies the trust of those I have sworn to protect. By wearing the trident, I accept the responsibility of my chosen profession and way of life. It is a privilege that I must earn every day. My loyalty to country and team is beyond reproach. 
I humbly serve as a guardian to my fellow Americans, always ready to defend those who are unable to defend themselves. I do not advertise the nature of my work, nor seek recognition for my actions. I voluntarily accept the inherent hazards of my profession, placing the welfare and security of others before my own. I serve with honor on and off the battlefield, the ability to control my emotions and actions, regardless of circumstance, sets me apart from other men. Uncompromising integrity is my standard. My character and honor are steadfast. My word is my bond. We expect to lead and be led. In the absence of orders, I will take charge, lead my teammates, and accomplish a mission. I lead by example in all situations. I will never quit. I persevere and thrive on adversity. My nation expects me to be physically harder and mentally stronger than my enemies. If knocked down, I will get back up every time. I draw on every remaining ounce of strength to protect my teammates and to accomplish our mission. I am never out of the fight. We demand discipline. We expect innovation. The lives of my teammates and the success of our mission depend on me, my my technical skill, tactical proficiency, and attention to detail. My training is never complete. We train for war and we fight to win. I stand ready to bring the full spectrum of combat power to bear in order to achieve my mission and the goals and established by my country. The execution of my duties will be swift and violent when required, yet guided by, yet guided by the very principles that I serve to defend. Brave men have fought and died building the proud tradition and feared reputation that I am bound to uphold. In the worst of conditions, the legacy of my teammates steadies my resolve and silently guides my every deed. I will not fail. Amen. Now you may be seated. Um, Every single day you go to bed, either the devil or God does that for you. They stand and say, well done, good and faithful servant. There are some days you go to bed smiling, you had a great day, and the devil says, great job today. You fooled everybody, and you fooled yourself. Let's do it again tomorrow. Some days you go to bed, and God says, great day today. You were faithful. The battle we fight, as noble as that is, and that is noble, and those guys put their life on the line at an incredible level that I will never know. But as noble as that is, God says, I've called you to something even more noble which is the spiritual battle of your life and the lives of the people I put in your, in your path. We don't believe that. We just think this is something we do. It's a religion. I just check the box and God says, no, no, no. This is about people's lives being transformed and spending eternity with me. One of the most often jokes people make about my job calling is they say, hey, uh, you just work on Sunday, right? <laughs> this is the easy part. I was in tears this week about stuff going on in my life. This is hard. And we all need to take a stand for our responsibility as believers, not only in the kingdom of God, but in our church. It's hard. And so in a minute, we're going to pray. And here's my challenge to you is that you would say, I want to be a soldier. I don't want to be just one sitting around. 
I want God to use me. I want to know what I'm supposed to do. I want to do it with authority. I want to do it with conviction. I want to do it with passion. So I'm going to ask all of you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're watching online, whatever campus you're in, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to think this question, answer this question in your heart. Do you want to be one of God's soldiers? Not just, hey, I'm a Christian by name. No, I have enlisted and I'm not going to get entangled in things that are going to inhibit me from pleasing the one who enlisted me into his army, Jesus Christ. I want to know my gifts. I want to know my calling. I want to know my resources and I want to know my enemy and I'm going to go after the enemy in my life. For some of you, that means you need to give your life to Jesus Christ as your savior. For some of you, that means you need to just step up and get serious. You need to get serious in your serving. You need to get serious in your giving. You need to get serious in your prayer. You need to get serious in your Bible reading. You need to get somebody in your life, a swim buddy, an accountability person to challenge you and hold you accountable. And there's someone you can hold accountable. But it all starts with you saying, okay, Lord, I surrender. So as our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, if you want to be that soldier, I want you to pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. Pray, dear God, I surrender my life to you. I believe Jesus died and rose from the dead for my sin. I believe he is Lord and there is no other. I believe he is worthy of my life. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Father God, fill me with the spirit of God. Use me. Transform me into a soldier. I surrender.